Welcome back, Timberwood students. I am so excited to be with you tonight in person, a time, a evening that we have been waiting for a long time. I have a few announcements for you involving what it looks like to be here in person. First is every week when you come back, it will look the same way. So I would ask that you enter in the gym entrance. Those doors from the outside coming in where the gym is. Please enter those doors so that we can keep traffic on our side. Next, tonight you will be given the opportunity to go check out the gym. I got about 10 minutes for each of you to be able to go in and play a game of Newcomb. And about the gym, no drinks. Please don't bring any drinks into the gym. And then as you go into the gym, you need to wear gym shoes or you need to wear socks, gym shoes, preferably shoes that have not touched outdoors or at least are extremely clean after. Or again, just wear your socks. And if you're going to switch shoes or if you're going to just wear your socks, leave your other shoes or your shoes in your meeting space, in your small group meeting space. Don't bring them to the gym and try to change there. Please just be ready to walk right in. And then again, keep all equipment like volleyballs and the basketballs inside the gym. Don't take it with you. I know that can be tempting sometimes. It's fun to play, but please keep it all in there. And then as you go to your spot, so when uh, your leader lets you know, hey, it's time to go play a game, if you're the first group that gets to the gym, then what I need you to do is enter the gym and go to the far back wall so that the second group can come in and be in the front area so that we will have two groups in at a time, but they will be separated the whole time. And those are the people that you are playing Newcomb against. And, of course, masks need to be worn at all times, even in the gym, even when you're active. So please make sure to keep a mask on properly, covering your nose, your mouth, etc. Let's get into it. So this is probably the greatest thing to happen in 2012. I know, everybody thought 2012, the world was going to end. No, we finally figured out what the mind calendar was really talking about. The best, the greatest. Something that happened in the NBA that nobody ever expected. No sports commentator in the world thought what happened would happen. In fact, not even ESPN had any coverage, any inkling, or any idea that what happened could happen or would happen. Lynn Sanity. That's right. We're talking about Jeremy Lynn. He played for the New York Knicks at this time. And believe it or not, there was once a time in Jeremy Lynn's life where every move he made in the NBA was not at all seen or even cared about. See, nobody cared that Jeremy Lin signed for the New York Knicks. And just how long the New York Knicks planned on keeping Jeremy Lin was very unclear to everybody. In fact, when Jeremy signed with the New York Knicks, his contract was not guaranteed, which means that he could have been let go at any point or time during his career. In fact, Lin is quoted as saying that he was fighting for a position as the backup to the backup to the backup point guard. Lynn was fighting for a five-person backup spot. And then it happened. 
great players on the New York Knicks at the time in 2012 ended up getting injured. A handful of them being point guards. What luck did Jeremy Lin have? I don't, you know, again, it's not that we celebrate the injuries, but Jeremy Lin had a chance. See, Carmel Anthony went down with a major injury. The lineup that Jeremy Lin was fighting for fell apart completely from injuries or contracts or trades that happened within the NBA. So finally, it was Jeremy Lin's chance. And only after playing just 55 minutes all season long, Lin came out of nowhere his first game and logged 36 minutes against the New Jersey Nets. On February 4th, 2012, the Knicks had lost 11 of their previous 13 games. So this was the game that Mike D'Antoni, the coach, was desperate for some kind of spark. He was looking for that thing, that thing that can make the New York Knicks come alive again. So then Lynn, Jeremy Lynn pumped in 25 points. He dished out seven assists and grabbed five rebounds in a 99-92 Knicks win. And as would so often be the case for Jeremy Lynn in the coming weeks, he found himself in front of a microphone, never being able to explain exactly what just happened. He blew the competition away, and he surprised even himself. Now, Jeremy Lin was the kind of player that would always say he was the first to come to practice, the last to leave. He put in the hours. He constantly picked the coach's brains of what he can do better and how to see the game better. And it's hard to pinpoint exactly the moment when Lin Sanity really, really started, but many historians in the NBA would point out that it most likely started when Jeremy Lin went up against Kobe Bryant, New York Knicks against Los Angeles Lakers, Jeremy Lin goes up against Kobe Bryant and puts up 38 points that game. Kobe Bryant, considered one of the best players in the entirety of the NBA. And Jeremy Lin just triumphs. Man, <laughs> just got me excited. In fact, when I was a kid, really, when I was 16 years or so at the time, I was pumped. I was excited. I was overwhelmed. Every time Jeremy Lin came on, every time a news anchor talked about Jeremy Lin, I mean, he made himself known all over. And I got to go to the game. Not one of the greatest games of history, no, but one of the most recorded games of Jeremy Lin's career, one of the most talked about. See, I got to go to a home game. My father picked up on the fact that I really love Jeremy Lin, and I really wanted to get into this Lin sanity. So Jeremy Lin plays against the uh, Timberwolves, and this is a home game in Minnesota that I got to go to in Minneapolis. I watched Jeremy Lin play. And in the last five seconds of the game, Timberwolves are up by one point, 97-98, and Jeremy Lin, 4.8 seconds left, smokes a three. And you can see the entire other half of from where we're sitting from the home seats, just cheering, jumping, and yelling. And then you could see me, the lone person in the home seats, supposed to be supporting the Timberwolves, jumping and yelling enthusiastically. And my father, yeah, he was embarrassed. But he was also happy for me. 
Because really, it wasn't Jeremy Lin that was the best to me, although he was great. It's my dad who picked up on how much I really cared about this, how much I really wanted to see Lin, Jeremy Lin play. And so he was intent with getting the tickets, finding the time, and being able to get food, and, I mean, just putting together the whole trip, going to the cities, watching something that I've always wanted to watch. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, we open up with a conversation on the first fruits. And that's kind of where we're going this whole night. See, the first fruits was this concept where whenever, well, this was Moses instructing the Israelites, when they go into the new land and the new land produces fruit and the new land produces, you know, wheat, whatever have you, the Israelites were to take of those things, put them in a basket, and go to where God told them to go. And when they went to where God told them to go, then they met with the priest. The priest would take the basket and put it in front of the altar so that God's name would dwell in the entire area. So that God would be known and that he would receive these offerings. And beyond just going to the, uh, the priests, there were other portions that went out. There were portions that went to the poor, there were portions that went to the widow, and there were portions that went to the orphan. And we talked a little bit about this before. Each of these portions, right, were supposed to be the best, the cream of the crop, the creme brulee, if you will, of desserts. The best to the best that we have to offer. It's like this, as Eric had said to me. Imagine it as so let's say that you're about to see your family and you're having friends coming over. And all of a sudden you get the hint, the aroma, the tasty memory of steak. And you, you hear it sizzling. You can smell it grilling. Oh, my word. You know you're up for a treat. You know that your friends will be so thankful that you are their friend. You know that they will be taken care of. Or the other option your friends come over, and what happens? You end up eating leftovers. It's the difference between steak and a warmed-up burger from McDonald's. It really is about giving the best. And like my father, who gave me the best, it starts with the thought. The thought really does count. Now, the thought isn't the only most important thing that's happening here, but the thought does count. And then it's the action based off of the thought. It's our ambition. It's our drive. It's our willingness to offer up our best. Now, let's take a moment here. I just want to give you a hint. Next, we are discussing the purpose of these first fruits then. And kind of the purpose of the first fruits have to do with question number two. So as you answer questions one through three, Start thinking in your head, what is the purpose of the first fruits? Number two is going to be your hint. All right. Let's pause here. So welcome back. The purpose of the first fruits then. We talked about what they were for. Now let's talk about the purpose. How many of you love babies? I know. I love babies. I do love babies. In fact, there are two babies in my life that I'm particularly excited about. The first baby is my brother's baby. 
almost one years old. Not quite yet. We're, we're just right around the corner there. It's, it's coming up. This baby, his name is Elliot. He's the cutest thing I have ever seen. Another baby in my life that I am very proud to say I am an uncle of is my sister's baby. She's around six to seven months old right now. Very exciting to see just this, this tender life, this, this child that you love so much, that my brother loves, that I love, that my sister loves. And what is it about babies that we love? That becomes the question for me. Because merit-wise, you know merit-wise, or you know, you earn the right, or, or you earn the right of uh, respect, or whatever. It's merit-based. What you do results in what you get, right? Merit-wise, babies are worthless. I know, that sounds really strong, so let me say it another way. Babies don't do anything that invites worth. They don't have the ability to do anything. All they do is they poop, they pee, they eat. And they're on a rotation. Poop, pee, eat. Poop, pee, eat. And sometimes, yes, they giggle, they cry. But they don't do anything. So why do we love them? There's something about tenderness in life. In fact, I think our text really hints at this still. And I'm going to read out of here in Deuteronomy chapter 26, 6 through 9. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great deeds of terror. With signs, with wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, This is an account of what the Lord did for the Israelites. And when we're talking about babies, I really am captivated by this term that we just read. With outstretched arms. With loving arms. With with compassion arms. With arms that, that look down on us. That care for us. That hold us tenderly like a mother would a baby. A baby who doesn't deserve it, who did no deed, but who is absolutely the best. Who is absolutely the greatest. And there's no love. There's no love like that. That can better picture what God feels towards us, I think. Because for me, it's so, so honest. It's a parent saying, I love this child, and I don't need a reason to. I just do. For the Israelites, they were remembering where they were. They were remembering that they were in Egypt and that they are humiliated. That comes out of what we read. See, they are a nation without an identity, 
and they are being promised that soon no longer would they be lost. And I know we have to feel this way sometimes in our lives. I know that sometimes we are a people who are lost, confused, and uncertain of our identity. How many deserts do we walk through confused and uncertain of ourselves? So the first fruits were thankfulness. They were thankfulness for the opportunities afforded us. They are thankfulness that we have a hope in something. That that hope is based in God. And that our hope also becomes our identity. That we have an identity of a people known as God's children. Outstretched arms. And then you say, Aiden, how do you see God? How, how do you connect with God? My first answer is we have the text. Not just Deuteronomy, but the entirety of Scripture. That gives us a great picture of who God is. And then we can also take moments to look around us. The mountains that aspire us to climb on top of them and sit on a peak and look over the clouds and watch a valley open up below. The moment that you go to a slope, it can be anywhere, and you go snowboarding or skiing, you're in the nature that God carefully crafted with his own hands. We get to praise God for the food that is born from the ground that he gave us. For the canvas that we get to look upon when we laid out at night. And we look up and the stars open to us. That is God painting a picture for us to appreciate. That we get to appreciate. Like a newborn baby. Arms stretched out. God cradles us in his creation. Look for him. He's there. And the first fruits, these first fruits that we're talking about, not only are they a sign of being thankfulness, a recognition of what God is providing us with, they're also a sign of things to come. See, like I said, the first fruits were offered at the start of the harvest. In fact, before the harvest continued, you take a portion and go give that to God on the altar. And this was done to say what will come after that you will yield in your harvest. So be an example to those around you. Love and care for one another. Live a way that sets a standard first and foremost. That shows us what can come out of our community. It shows us what can come forth from where you are. Don't miss the opportunity to show some love. Re- 
really. It is just knowing what the best is and our willingness to give God our best, our best effort in relationship with God, in relationship with others. Appreciating what's around us, taking the opportunity to pray with someone, taking the opportunity to seek who God is. Really putting our best effort forward, giving God our best. In the basketball example, it wasn't the game that stuck with me. It was the way my father loved on me. That speaks mountains into what is happening. That speaks levels of intent and genuine thought and care. With outstretched arms, people. God is here for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being present with us tonight. Thank you so much for the for the relationship that you are calling us to with you. And I just ask from our soul, from our being, may we be thoughtful. And may we seek what our best is for you. And in all willingness and all thankfulness, may we give it to you. And serve the way you are calling us. In your name I pray. Amen. Right, thanks, guys. Questions four through six. Have a good night.